0: You are listening to the Mother Lab Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to the ninth episode of the Mother Lab Podcast. Mother Lab stands for Maternal Outcomes for Translational Health Equity Research. The Mother Lab is run by Dr. Amuta Onakaga, founder and director of the Mother Lab housed at Tufts University School of Medicine. Dr. A.O. is the Julia A. Okoro Professor of Black Maternal Health and Assistant Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Tufts University School of Medicine. Dr. Ayo is also a member of the Racial Inequities and Maternal Health Commission. My name is Amea, and I'm a chair of the Community Engagement Advocacy and Policy Committee here at the Mother Lab. And I'm a current junior at Tufts University.
1: Thank you, Amea. Hi, I'm Stephanie and I am the Policy Liaison of the Community Engagement Advocacy and Policy Committee. Today we are joined with Dashana Hanlon. Deshauna Hanlon is a birth and postpartum doula serving families all over Massachusetts and southern New Hampshire. She created and teaches Not Your Mama's childbirth education course to parents across the country. Caring for Mamas is Dishana's way of starting the conversation about how families navigate pregnancy, paternal transitions, and what postpartum care looks like beyond the first 12 weeks. Thank you so much for joining us, Dishana. We usually start our conversations by asking our guests about their interest in maternal health and how they got started in the field. We would love to hear your story.
2: Yes. Um, so like many doulas, I got started in the field because I gave birth myself. Right. Um, and I wasn't sure exactly afterward. (laughs) I mean, I had a really, what I call as a doula, a typical, um, induction experience. I was there for a couple of days before I gave birth. However, I left that experience thinking, wow, that so many things happened that I didn't even know were possibilities <laughs> for birth. Um, and I started doing a little more research about what childbirth you know, could look like. Um, and then I found out about doulas. And so after that, I was like, I think that's something I would be interested in, supporting people during this journey, helping them kind of figure out exactly what they wanna do, what they don't wanna do, and know the things that I didn't know up front.
0: Yeah. and. Um, Just to speak a little bit about that, I know that there's a lot of times where people don't even realize that there's an afterbirth. So like simple, basic things when you ask like kids in college, like there's so, so much lack of education going around. So that's really incredible. So thank you for sharing your story. Um, Yeah, we just wanted to talk a little bit about the role of education and birthing outcomes and postpartum care. So talking a little bit about the spread of misinformation, how have you seen that as an impact on the parents that you teach?
2: Absolutely. Um, like, so I love social media, um, but with, you know, TikTok being so, um, wow, expansive, right? I mean, like you, you go on TikTok and you search childbirth, you get stories from here to Timbuktu, right? They don't, they're not exactly pertaining to where you live, the hospital you go to, um, And although those things are happening everywhere, like there are crazy things happening in childbirth everywhere. It really is important that you have a baseline knowledge, understanding what what physiological birth looks like. I mean, not natural or whatever, just like what your body is capable of. Right. And then there are the pieces of um, birth like surgical birth that aren't explained at the hospital courses. And that's why I created my own.
1: Thank you for that. Um, I guess expounding a little bit about that, I know you talked a bit about your own personal experience um, as a mother, but can you expand on that and how that inspires your work?
2: Oh, absolutely. So um, I tell people things like, during my first birth, I had what they call an internal monitor, right? We all now know a lot more about continuous fetal monitoring, right? That it's not the way necessarily to have the kind of birth you want, right? But akin to that, or like even more invasive is internal monitoring, right? Which they don't tell you the monitor actually attaches to your baby's head, It's a catheter, but it goes on your baby's scalp. Um, And people say yes to this all the time. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to educate people so that when I'm with them in the room and that's suggested, they go, is that necessary? Or is there another option? Those two questions can change your entire birth.
0: So talking about this like internal monitor, I actually haven't heard about this myself, but is what's the consent process like for that? So, like when you were proposed with this idea, what did it look like for you?
2: It it was not explained properly at all, right? It just they said, Oh, well, you know, your baby's having some heart decelerations because I was being induced. I was on a continuous fetal monitor, right? Um, which isn't really that abnormal. Sometimes babies have heart decelerations and like most babies, my baby recovered from that just fine. And I continued to labor, right? However, because he had a couple of those, it's really invasive. I mean, honestly, it's a procedure that unless (laughs) you're basically, I tell people, unless you're crowning, they have to, it's very invasive. And if you're crowning, we know why your baby's having heart decelerations, right? Because they're, they're on their way out. But those are the two times when it's suggested the most, it's suggested the most when you're either, you know, two or three centimeters dilated, and you probably need some physical relief to even accept the procedure, which I did not have at the time. Um, And then, you know, knowing what, what happens after that, what what labor can change and look like, you know, once you have those kinds of, once you've accepted those kinds of um, interventions.
0: Right, so why do you think that this is pushed on mothers so often, even when there's not too many um indications of it, of it being necessary? Um,
2: one, because you have to do so many of these procedures before you leave your OBGYN rotation. Um, as we know, most hospitals in the area are teaching hospitals. Um, so in the case where you know, you're know you crowning and you, you realize, okay, that the baby is coming out. It's like, wow, why, why are we using this monitor? We know exactly, but th- there's a resident who, who hasn't done it yet. Right. Um, So they're going to recommend it. And then someone should say, is that necessary? (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it just kind of points to some of the pros and cons of being a teaching hospital, because you obviously, we're all supportive of giving residents as much exposure as they can. But at what cost, at some points, we have to take a step back and be like, exactly what you're saying. Is this necessary? Is this something that's going to be beneficial to the mother? Because. We are talking about lives here. We're talking about people. right? Yeah.
2: yeah. And enough people ask those questions. Maybe they'll do away with the policy of, of needing to do so many of those prior to, you know, and, and, or in the cases of like emergent or urgent births, you know, um, yeah. or where there is an emergency or something needs to be seen. I'm not against necessary interventions. I want everyone to come home and thrive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but necessary. And. Yeah um explained well (laughs) and you know full of consent right right
0: yeah and going along with this topic I think we've kind of seen this with c-sections as well have you seen a similar trend with
2: absolutely absolutely um something that happens like say you get an internal monitor and then your baby has a couple more decelerations you you might have a c-section right? You've already consented to a few I- uh, interventions. By that time, you probably have an epidural, or you're thinking about getting one, um, or it's been recommended because, you know, that's what the nurses and on the floor see, or because you, you know, didn't express that you don't want those kinds of interventions. Um, so yeah, I think really people just need to kind of what they want. (laughs) Um, A lot of, a lot of it, it comes with knowing what, what you want, but that all stems from education, right? It really does. Going back to what does birth look like? What do I want it to look like for me? What do I want it to feel like? I got the best compliments from one of my clients recently who said, my doctor said, this is the most reasonable birth plan I've ever seen. (laughs) And I said, yeah, it should be. Nothing you want should be out of the question
1: right and i was going to ask so what would you suggest are some alternative interventions mothers should raise you know when when they are asked hey we need to do this in, um give you an internal monitor how do you think they should speak up in that moment because i know there's just so much going on <laughs> so
2: well, we yes do- right yeah. um we always tell people you know okay well think through things first right use your brain make sh- you know make the 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 acronym right <laughs> you guys know <laughs> make good choices right what if you don't do anything all there are alter- alternatives use your intuition right um all those things are great but the you need to feel um enabled to advocate for yourself, right? So first, make sure that you're with um, a practice that you feel comfortable with, right? You shouldn't always feel rushed. You shouldn't always feel like no one's willing to answer your question because that opens the door to you having that flow of communications from the start of your pregnancy, right? Um, And then as you go through and talk about the kinds of things you want, when people say, oh, well, we recommend induction, ask why. Why? And what is going to be involved in that process, right? Um, is this absolutely necessary? These are, it, they're really simple questions. But when we see someone in a white coat, uh, we feel like they are the authority, but you're the authority on your body. You or it's your first home <laughs> right so you really do understand when something feels off or that doesn't sit right with me well let's talk it out right that's that's how it should be but i think most times there's a there's a, the you know doctor takes on a more dominant position in the relationship
0: yeah. So if we are talking about like a clinical setting, we're talking about the doctor in the room, how yeah. do you as a doula in this space provide a way, like a support system for people to be able to advocate for themselves?
2: Yeah. Um. So one of the first things, if, if I feel like my client might not be comfortable, I always ask, can we get five minutes? I mean, even in urgent situations, and I've been there, I've seen it, you get five minutes to kind of have a minute to yourself, cry it out, talk to your people, think about what might be coming next, what kind of decisions you need to make. Um, But even if when it's really not urgent, and it's like, oh, we're thinking about doing this next intervention, we clear the room, right, so that you feel comfortable, right. Um, And we created a birth plan to refer to, so that we can say, okay, well, that's not, that's not part of your plan. How are you feeling about that, right? Things could change in X, Y, Z way, right? Um, and in a clinical setting, I'm there to be a support person. So I think um, I I ask my clients to keep me involved from the very beginning. We create a birth plan early in the pregnancies. I want you to show your doctor. I want them to say, Deshauna is coming. <laughs> she helped me do this, right? Because they know, oh, well, sh- even in a moment where they might not be able to advocate for themselves they they have someone supporting them in the room right they do take that with a you know a grain of salt they do say okay well what do you think sometimes what and not always there's not always a deference to the doula however there are most times where it's respected that i was also chosen to be in the room
0: right is there ever any a time that you felt like you weren't respected being in the room?
2: Um, sure. yeah, absolutely. You know, you you know, nurses get annoyed or, um, you suggest something that they, that someone hadn't heard of before, or, um, people don't think that I, I once had a client have a two day induction and she, she had no epidural um right (laughs) no one on the floor had seen anything like it right um and over the course of the day that you know the two days that she was there it was it was a spectacle basically you know um and the first day that you're there you feel like okay well maybe these people are on our side and they they want this for you too and by day two you're like okay well we don't want this because of this, right? You have to be a little more pointed with the things you say and how you say them. You have to be really direct, right? Um, and that's the answer. It's, it. I mean, silence is also an answer. So when you give your answer, that's it. <laughs> don't follow it up with a bunch of other things. Don't say, but I, I'm hoping. No, just let your answer be your answer, right? Yeah, Um. but yeah, for the most part, I find I work really well with with other people because I'm there for my client. It, it's not about me, but of course, I always, you know, you get asked, "Are you a sister? Are you a friend? Are you a cousin?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> they also paid me to be here, which is lovely, um, and also sa- says something about the the dynamic and the relationship that they respect me in the same way that they respect you. They asked me here to, you know, give information.
1: Yeah, so my my next question is, is it is it ever a part of the plan for you to maybe have a separate meeting with the doctor? Like, so I'm going to be here. <laughs> I'm a part of Absolutely. this team as well. So out you know Absolutely. away from the client. So everyone is on the same page and they are not like surprised. No, so you know what?
2: Never outside of the clients, always with. So I do offer and so every doula is different. I do offer to go to a prenatal appointment with my clients if that's what they if they feel that would be helpful, um, but really, I I try to make it known that it should not be a secret. I'm I tell my I'm coming for a birthday party, right? So I I expect everybody to know I'm I'm coming, <laughs> um, and to expect to see me and to know that you have someone who wants to be there in the room and help you navigate this whatever it comes with, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Deshauna, have how many different hospitals have you worked in or different locations? Oh, several.
2: <laughs> I've worked all over Boston. I've worked all over um, New Hampshire up to Manchester, from Manchester to, and I've even gone to Providence once. I I, I travel, I go um, where people need me. You know, sometimes it's it's a little bit of a stretch, but if it's in the calendar and it works, you you meet the right people you make it work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so kind of along with this, I was just wondering how you've noticed that zip code can sometimes be a social determinant of health or how geographical differences have varied in your practice.
2: Absolutely. Um so yeah, my clients who live on the South Shore have I mean they tend not to want it. My, my clients of color who live on the South Shore tend not to want to give birth on the South Shore, right? Um, and that's fair. It's fair. They don't see providers who look like them, they don't always feel 100% comfortable. Um, it It's it based on age you know, I have clients of color. And again, it's so I think it's a surprise sometimes to their providers when they're like, this is my doula that I, you know, I paid to be here. And yes, I'm in my 20s. But I knew what I wanted. And I knew I needed an advocate because y'all be playing games with people. That's what I heard on TikTok. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so it definitely there are moments where you're like, wow, you that's only happening because you're a black woman. And and I'm I can be honest about that. That's only happening because your BMI isn't within the weight that they think is sh- within the range that they think it should be, you know, um, I'm, I'm honest with my client. They're, your doctor is not going to say that. So I want you to ignore the things that are not pertinent to you thriving in your birth and outside of the hospital. Right. Um, and I feel like that's, that's definitely part of my job to help, um, mitigate those other factors, the factor of zip code, right? To make sure that you are giving birth in a in a good place for you. Um, and if you can't, for some reason, quote unquote, based on insurance, because that's a real thing, like you you have to go sometimes just where it is most cost effective for you to give birth. In those cases, you need an advocate, right? Like you need someone with you who knows, okay, well, yeah, they do things a certain way, but I want to do things my way.
0: So just considering if insurance wasn't an issue, would you ever advocate for someone to move to, say, a different hospital in a different location?
2: I do it all the time. (laughs) All the time. Yeah, especially, I mean, in line with, you know, the times of COVID, right? Every, that's when like home birth became so popular and home birth always has been popular, but much more talked about, right? Much more known these days, Um you know, people, I mean, people in Massachusetts who were like, okay, well, I need certain things to give birth here, went to a birth center in New Hampshire, because there was no birth center open here, right? There are other options, if you're willing to consider them. And if you, if you have someone who's going to look around for you, that's what do do. They do some of that informational research. So you don't have to, so they can bring you, okay, well, these five other hospitals, maybe you don't want to give birth at Lawrence, maybe you don't want to give birth at, you know, such and such place, whatever, wherever it is, right? Um, I want you to do what's best for you. But there are always other options if you're not comfortable.
1: Um, I mean, we've been t- talking about like the pros and how that can improve health outcomes of both the mother and the child. But oh, obviously, like we know that there is also a burden of a mother or a b- birthing person having to travel outside of their area you know to be thinking about cost effectiveness now I have to maybe find a hotel or a place to stay Mm and um I guess I want to know how does that impact um the the birthing person or the mother do you
2: think um it's a stress for sure it really is a stress I had a a client recently who um was attempting, well, and she achieved a vaginal birth after a cesarean, right, a VBAC. And finding a provider that was comfortable with what she wanted, right, which is an unmedicated VBAC, um, and who believed that she could do it, it was hard, it was hard. And I mean, up until, you know, the what we would call the 11th hour, but pretty much 36 weeks she had not found like she that's when she like solidified a provider that's so late <laughs> that is that is most people won't most you know hospitals providers won't try to take you after 35 weeks but this was like just you know one of those 11th hour miracles <laughs> where it was like this person is believes that you can do this and believes you can do it in the way you want to and but it took her that long. She just went to appointments where she was going unhappily until she found the right provider. Yeah, but it's it's definitely it takes an emotional toll on top of already being pregnant and having that to combat, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That like chronic stress of just am I going to find a provider that wants to yep. support me that's already an added factor on top of your pregnancy. So right. Yeah. Well, we just wanted to say thank you very much, to Shana for joining us today. You do amazing work, and it was incredible to sit down and speak with you. Um, so thank you so much. And for everyone else, please make sure to, make, to check out The Mother Lab on all of our socials at themotherlab.org. Thank,
2: thank you. Thank you guys so much. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate you giving me some time.